What does God think about the unborn? Is there a biblical case for abortion? And if so, how does it line up with science? Welcome to Talk Truth, a McGregor podcast where we dive into scripture, gain insight from community, and biblically answer life questions. Talk Truth will answer life questions submitted by our listeners every other week. If you have a question for Talk Truth, you can submit your questions on our website. I'm your host, Chloe Weimer. Let's open the word, gather together, and talk some truth. joined by my good friend, Jamie Holmes, a wife and mother of two and an RN. Also joining me is my friend and coworker, Mr. David Asfor, who is a husband, a father, and science teacher. David, what do you teach again? Biology, marine biology, anatomy, and aquaculture. Okay. And what is your education in? Uh, Bachelor's degree in biology, and I went to grad school for marine biology. Gotcha. Okay. So this is a very diverse group of people, I would say. But um, I think that with both of your backgrounds and your education, we're going to be able to talk about abortion um, with like a well-rounded perspective. Quite honestly, I am not a science gal, and I'm going to be real honest about that. Um, But... I think that that's okay because I'm learning from you guys. So I'm probably going to be sitting over here and just like nodding and being like, wow, yeah, <laughs> in agreement. Um, but so we are going to be talking today about the science behind abortion, which will resonate with a lot of people in a personal sense. And when Talk Truth speaks on real life issues like this, we want to do exactly what the name says. We want to talk truth, but we want to talk truth in love. And we want to defend our faith with gentleness and respect, like we've talked about in previous episodes about defending our faith. And people listening to this may feel, um, I just want to make it like clear, even just with us, like they're, they're going to be experiencing a lot of emotions, especially if they have had an abortion or if they have a close friend or a family member who has. And so we just want to be mindful of the way that we approach the topic. Um, and, keep that in mind. Um, but also if you are listening to this, know that we aren't going to be talking about this in the sense that we are approaching the question, the way that our opinions are, are, are approaching the question. It's, it's how does, how would God respond to abortion? And, And the way that we know that is because he has made it extremely clear in his word. He's also made it, I mean, he, he reveals himself in two ways, both in creation, but also in the word. And if you want to hear God speak, open your Bible and and read it. And if you want to hear his audible voice, you can read your Bible out loud and hear his voice too. So that's what we're um, going to be talking about. And I want to keep that in mind. Um, But also know if, if you are listening to this, make sure you hold on to the end because we are going to talk about how God, um, can and will redeem it. These, these, this conversation, it's going to be, we're going to be in some deep waters and treading through some things that are difficult. Um, but God has a way of, I mean, he, he meets us in the water, comes down, comes down in it with us by sending his son to die on the cross. And he picks us up when we didn't even know that we were drowning and brings us on solid ground. And he, he provides redemption for our sins and our guilt and our shame. And every, all, all of us sitting at this table have experienced that. And, um, I just, if you're listening to this, I hope that you, you hold on if, if this makes you uncomfortable because know that Jesus does redeem it. So 
all that to be said, um, I'm going to pray and we're just going to dive right in. All right. So let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, just meeting us in um, our, our drowning and bringing us to solid ground. And I just ask that you give us wisdom as we talk about a, a really touchy subject and you help us to um, just speak truth, but speak truth in love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So here on Talk Truth, we like to start with definitions. And I looked up what abortion is. And the first thing that came up was the Oxford Dictionary definition, and it is the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy, most often performed during the first 28 weeks of pregnancy. And so the whole reason this episode came about was because um, David and I were working a couple weeks ago and somehow we got started about what you were teaching in class and I think it was on gender and we started talking about like the semantics of gender and sexuality and how that word has been morphed by our culture and people have just you know so can you just talk about like the semantics with abortion and even words like embryo fetus baby and even even murder if, if you want to go ahead and talk about that yeah with with most of those terms uh starting with uh zygote really that's one you didn't throw in there it's Ooh. a new one for you but uh that's basically when uh, a sperm and an egg fuse uh, at that moment or you know minutes or hours later it's a zygote then you have embryo then you have fetus then you have newborn and something to remember about embryo and fetus, those are the two most commonly used terms in, in abortion. Those are just stages. Mm -hmm. We can't get hung up on the name and say that well, because it's a different name, it's something different than what we are. Um, it's no different than when you, after birth, it's baby, infant, um, toddler, child. I mean, we have names for every stage of life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, young adult, middle age, whatever you want to call it. So embryo and fetus are the same thing. So, and, and this is actually part of the debate is, is an embryo and is an embryo, not a person Yeah. is a fetus, not a person. Um, and so embryo is, uh, what is it? I'm thinking nine weeks. You may have to correct me on this. I, the numbers always get me, but embryo is basically, uh, if you just want to think about, forget the numbers, just think of it as an embryo is when the parts are being made. Mm -hmm. Fetus is when the parts are all there. They're just baking, so to speak. They're, they're maturing. They're getting to the point where they can uh, survive out of the womb at their best capacity. Um, and so functionally, that's what the difference between an embryo and a fetus is. But the question is, when, when is that when are those stages, when are they classified as a human and when are they classified as a person? And I think those are two definitions that we have to definitely dive into. Um, as far as murder goes, that's just the, you know, the, it's basically the um, killing of uh, a human, killing of a person, uh, intentionally killing of a person is how I would define it. Yeah. So, okay, Jamie, working in the medical field, is there... How have you seen terminology change or even with abortion, how, how do people who are offering them maybe, do they like word it in such a, a way, in a different way, or is it, it, do they just say abortion? What's it like? Um, now I do work with adults, so I don't work with little people, but I, of course, when I was in class, um, 
was trained for little people and, and mom and baby, but they do not use the term baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is embryo, it is fetus, it is it. Um, there's no he or she's, there's, um, it's very disconnected. Um, but they do that purposefully because most women, um, I would say that go in are having, even if it's a slight doubt, it's, it's a doubt, it's something in there, you know, um, that they're questioning whether or not they should do it. So they are trained, like I have seen documentaries for like Planned Parenthood, they are trained not to say baby, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of keep that disconnect. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like murder. It doesn't feel like you're killing a person. Yeah. It's it's just an embryo. It's just a fetus. Yeah. It makes it makes sense that that's how they would want to communicate it if they're wanting that to be like the end goal. You know? Right. Especially if you're going at it with the bias that it's okay. Right. So, clump of cells. I yeah. Mean, you, you hear that too. It's just a clump of cells. It's not anything yet. Yeah. And so we, we do want to make clear too, to listeners that we are coming at this with, um, I mean, we, we're talking about like objective science that cannot be argued against. Um, but at the same time, our beliefs are founded on the word of God. And so I, um, I, I see the Bible as the foundation for everything that is in my life. I tell my students all the time, I teach high school Bible. And so I made up this like funny thing when I was trying to get them to understand what your worldview should be like. Um, it's, I say, you can't waffle, you got a spaghetti. And I don't know why I don't say spaghetti. I don't know. I just, I, I love abbreviations. It's <laughs> stupid. But anyways, you can't waffle your, um, your, your Christian beliefs and you can't compartmentalize them. Basically, you can't compartmentalize your Christian beliefs from your science. You can't compartmentalize them from your political views or your um, your views on marriage and what have you. It's all intertwined like spaghetti, and it, it can't be separated. And so, yeah, we we are starting with the presupposition that not only is there a God, but His word is authoritative and we are not going to shy away from that. And that's why we're talking truth. And so um, I wanted to bring up how the prophet Jeremiah referred to child sacrifice to the pagan deity Moloch as the death of the innocents. And if God was speaking through Jeremiah, like that is God's voice coming through Jeremiah. And we believe that God's word in and of itself is authoritative and sufficient Then our beliefs must be consistent with that. And so God sees the unborn babies and children as innocent and abortion, even though it's not an act of worship, like the child pagan sacrifices were, it is in a sense of act of worship in and of, in, in of the self, you know, like you are deciding to worship your, your selfish desires of like how you think the trajectory of your life is going to be. And Abortion is, I mean, we, we already said before, it's the termination of life. And so we're talking about how it is life. And we talked about what exactly murder is. Um, and because it is, it is murder and it is, it is wrong biblically. Um, I'm going to have you guys explain why, but the way that I want you to do that, um, I'm going to throw some questions or like, um, just common arguments as to why abortion, why somebody would argue uh, that abortion is biblical or why it, it is right scientifically. Let's say scientifically. All right. So the first one that we're going to talk about is human life doesn't begin at conception. So how would you guys respond to this? 
Uh, well, first of all, we have to define uh, conception, uh, and that's been redefined uh, in, in a document that I'm kind of referencing a lot in this talk. Uh, they, they reference um, a medical dictionary that's flip-flopped on the definition of conception four times in the last 30 or 40 years. Mm. Um, so we'll uh, get into that. But as, as far as life, um, when does the life begin? Well, um, the, the cell theory states that all cells come from pre-existing cells. So all life comes from other life. So everything is alive. They're, they're not, the, the sperm and the egg are both alive. Mm. So if, if they weren't alive, they wouldn't be able to do, turn into any, any life. You can't go from non-life to life. No, no, nobody's ever observed that in science. So when the sperm and the egg are, are fused together, and this is, this is something that one of my, one of the first college professors I had freshman year at Florida Southwestern, which was then called Edison, he, uh, he said, at the moment of fertilization, there's three things you cannot deny scientifically. You have a genetically human, uh, genetically distinct life. So it is human, right down to the DNA. Uh, one of the older arguments, uh, nobody, I don't think any, anybody uses these arguments anymore, was that at a certain stage in development, the embryo or the fetus is more like a fish, or more like a, an amphibian than it is a person. That's an outdated argument. I don't think anybody claims that anymore because now we know so much more about the genetics. It is genetically human. Hmm. If you were to extract DNA from that embryo and you plug it into the gene bank, it would come up as human. So you can't make that argument anymore. So that's the genetically human part of that. Genetically distinct means that the DNA is unique to that embryo. Um, it's not the mother's DNA, it's not the father's DNA. It is a unique mixture. Uh, with the exception of identical twins, nobody has the same DNA as you or ever will, unless you are an identical twin, because, you, because identical twins come from the same embryo, a same, the same fusion of the sperm and the egg. Mm -hmm. uh, if you imagine a, a large deck of cards, mom and dad come at it with their own deck, they split the deck and then they, they combine half of their decks. If you think about it in card terminology, every shuffling of the deck is unique. Hmm. And so that's why uh, the embryo is not, um, is not the mother's DNA. And it's obviously alive, as I said. So genetically distinct human life. And, then he, and after that, he says, what you do with that information is philosophy because you can't deny that fact. And so that's what we do with the term conception. That's really the only thing we can do is redefine conception. Conception, use, my definition of conception and the, old, the, the original definition was the same as fertilization, sperm and egg fusing. At that moment, that's when you have that genetic distinction, that new genetic combination. Hmm. Um, so if you destroy a sperm cell or an egg cell, that's not abortion. Um, but once you have that fusion, once you have that new DNA, uh, that new genetic code, that is uh, fertilization. And that is what I've always defined as conception. Um, but the other way people are defining it now, and Planned Parenthood defines it this way, as uh, implantation into the uterus. That gives them a few days to a week window to destroy that embryo uh, without calling it abortion. Because if you terminate the cells prior to conception, it's not classified as abortion usually. But for my definition, that means sperm and egg. For their definition, that means 
um, an embryo, a zygote. And yes, it is a ball of cells, but that doesn't make it any less human. So that makes sense. I don't have much to add to that. That was pretty, <laughs> I no, I, that was, um, pretty amazing actually. Cause you know, I, I feel like I hear just a lot of the, well, um, and this is just medical professionals talking because we are taught human anatomy. So um, I feel like I hear a lot of arguments just like, well, is the heart beating yet? But I mean, yeah. and I don't know at what point, I don't know at what point exactly that happens. I've had two children. I know that I, with my daughter, went in and I heard her heartbeat at seven and a half weeks. Yeah, so eight weeks and around eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, her, her heart was beating strong at seven and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. So um I mean, for me, conception is the same. That's how I would, that's how I would describe it, just as David was saying, but um, a lot of medical professionals would, would say, you know, do you have a beating heart yet? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. You, I, like the, I like how you broke it down where it's like un, understandable. <laughs> well, just to give, again, I'm referencing, I don't know if you have show notes where you can link this, but... I'm looking at a, an article written by Matt Dawson. It's from Answers in Genesis. They have a research journal. And, and the title is Abortion, a Biblical, Biological, and Philosophical Refutation. And something that shocked me, because the biology doesn't shock me, but something that shocks me was, was more political. Um, since 1973, any kind of Supreme Court case or any kind of congressional hearing, nobody has ever invited an embryologist to any of those. An embryologist, if embryology is the study of embryos, so from fertilization to birth, and it doesn't have to be human, it can be anything. Mm-hmm. I took embryology in, in college and it was one of my favorite uh, subjects. Um, but that's telling, the fact that they're not inviting the experts because the experts in all of the embryology textbooks define, uh, it says fertilization marks the beginning of life of the new individual human being. Mm-hmm. And so they're excluding experts Mm -hmm. that are going to refute uh, the claim they're trying to make. You can't be wishy-washy with the definition if you have the experts there. Yeah, right. Uh, And 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 that that, fertilization isn't done like, it's not the morning after, it's like- Oh no, it's within hours, within hours of of the uh, act of sex, yeah. Okay, so the next common argument that I want to throw at you guys is the embryo is an extension of the mother's body. So it's basically saying, like, my body, my choice. How would you respond to that? I'll give you first dibs. Um, I feel like, and it's funny, because my husband actually is um, makes this argument, and I think that it makes perfect sense. He said just because... Um, because a lot of times people use that in, um, and I've even heard Christians say this, well, like, what about rape or incest? Well, one, um, one, one sin or one act um, of aggression against you doesn't give you the right to go and kill another human being. So um, if you got hit by your husband, that was an act against you. It doesn't give you the right to come and kill me kind of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um as far as my body, my choice, I know that the the baby can't live outside of the mother, but the same argument can be made for my toddler. Like my toddler can live outside of me, but if I wasn't there caring for her, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, if I left her alone in the house, she would she would die. She she wouldn't be able to survive herself. She wouldn't be able to keep getting herself food. She wouldn't be able to get herself water. She so I don't feel like that is an adequate argument 
for for that reason as well. Yeah. Um, I will say that obviously it's more um, pressing, I guess, on the mother than the father. Um, but it's it's still not your body. It's 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 not. Yeah. It's it's residing in you. But like David said, it has its own genetic code. It it's it's yeah. distinctly itself you know it still it's goes a back person. to that yeah it still goes back to that same thing that that you were saying like you're you're arguing about about the actual embryo being human or not right and the, the, i also the embry- the, sorry oh. the embryo has uh, or the baby developing baby uh has a different blood can have a different blood type than the yes, mother yes uh not not just genetics well then the, well the blood type is linked to genetics but it can have a different blood type if uh, during certain stages of the pregnancy, the mother's immune system has to be um, suppressed or not su- not fully suppressed, but it has to not go after the baby. The mother's immune system will attack the baby as a foreign object. Yeah. And so those are two points of science. Again, not refutable. Um, and sometimes, uh, I, I believe, uh, sometimes when the, the, those uh, stop gaps fail and the mother's immune system does attack the embryo, that can lead to a miscarriage, which is a natural, uh, unintentional abortion of the feet, of the of the embryo. So, those two things right there disprove that claim. It's not an extension mm-hmm. of the woman's body. It is plugged into the woman's body. That's what the umbilical cord and the placenta are all about. Mm-hmm. But the blood never mixes. The blood goes by a very thin membrane. Oxygen and nutrients pass through that membrane, but the blood never mixes. And so, y- you could extend that argument to when a baby's breastfeeding. Baby's attached to the mother at that moment. Does that give the mother the right to stab the baby in the head? Because it's it's, it's on attached, her, right? And it is affecting her. And yeah, a pregnancy does affect the mother, um, no doubt about it. it. It could affect the health of a mother, right? No doubt about it. But you know, again, how far are you going to extend that? Um, you know, my daughter Meredith scratched my wife's retina when when Meredith was a little baby. That affected Lorraine. Does that give Lorraine the the right to kill Meredith just because it affected her negatively. Hmm. So yeah, a, a pregnancy will drain the health of a mother. The The baby is inside the mother, plugged into the mother, mm-hmm. but it is not the, the mother. mother. I was in, that was in sync there. I liked that. <laughs> we practice. Yeah. <laughs> I really had a hard time science, wondering science how you were going to finish that geeks. sentence. Yeah. We should have all finished it together. <laughs> The, the mother. mother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The next, the next question. And this is, I would say that this one is probably more common. Um, and I'm sure that there could be somebody listening to this who has even heard this, but what about the chances of cognitive or physical disabilities? Um, I will say that with my, um, second child, um, I chose not to have, and I'm not high risk um, because I got a lot of flack from a bunch of people about this, but I chose not to have ultrasounds, which is why I, I did not hear my my son's heartbeat until I could have um, just like the outer Doppler. Um, but I... Um, the only word I knew was the jelly. <laughs> the, the, the jelly. Um <laughs> Oh my gosh! What was your question, Chloe? I lost I'm my so train of thought. I'm so sorry. The jelly. <laughs> the jelly. 
What about the chances of cognitive or physical disabilities? Okay. So with my, with my first daughter, I remember, um, leaving the doctor just in tears because I wondered if I had done something wrong. You know, I, I was just so nauseous. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty healthy person. I watch what I eat. I, I try to do all that. But of course, when I was pregnant um, and not feeling well, it was like McDonald's every morning because that was the only thing I could stomach. And I remember leaving the ultrasound and my doctor very nonchalantly and, um, well, not with a ton of couth saying, oh, because it, it was the body scan. She said, oh, you're... Um, your baby has a lot of cysts in the brain that are spilled, uh, that are filled with cerebral spinal fluid. Um, and that can be a, um, marker for down syndrome, but it's probably nothing. Um, it usually will also show up with some kind of, um, anatomical like abnormality and we don't see any, so we won't even follow up with that. Hmm. And I um, have always, um, with both of my children, have chose not to get the blood marker test because for me, it costs more money. I, if they do have some sort of cognitive issue, um, it's not going to change whether or not I want them. So yeah. it's, it's not a point to stress me out. But I remember leaving there thinking my baby could have Down syndrome, mm -hmm. um, crying in the car with my husband, um, you know, just going over everything that I had eaten, what could, I, maybe I was exposed to something at the hospital because I was a nurse and there's lots of things that you're exposed to. Um, but I remember being really, really upset. Um, and, you know, and I remember that being a prayer request, like, please pray that everything's okay with my baby. Like, I don't have any. I remember that. Yeah. I like, forgot. Yeah. I, I was very, it was a very stressful period for me. Um, and I remember when I was, and it turned out everything was fine. My daughter was completely healthy. Praise Jesus. When we went back weeks and weeks later, she was like, oh, the cysts have gone away. And I was like, oh, praise the Lord, you know. Um, but that was one of the reasons that I chose not to have ultrasounds with my son, because when I was researching it, I forget the percentages, um, but so often they give you... Um, I don't want to say false information, but it is false information. It's what they think that they see, but so many times it's a pretty high percentage. Um, or maybe it's changing. Well, it could is be it? changing too, but I mean, it's a pretty high percentage that they'll tell you that something's wrong with the baby and, and there are terminations that happen due to that. And then when they terminate the baby and they see the baby, there was, that was in fact incorrect. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I teach that about an amniocentesis, and oh, yeah. um, that's one of the things that can determine if uh, the baby could. They never emphasize could well enough, but could have Down syndrome. And, I, and one right. of the asterisks I put next to that is, just so you guys know, this could read false positive. Right. And, so, and the amniocentesis, like yeah, and, and the amniocentesis can cause, yeah, can, cause can, uh, can cause a miscarriage, yeah. can cause yeah. a spontaneous miscarriage. And that even kind of gets into like the philosophy of human life again. Well, your, it, your question is a philosophical question because you're asking cognitive disability, like what about cognitive disability? And the question is, if they have cognitive disability, shouldn't we abort them? Well, that's a value statement. That's not a biological statement. Mm, They're still yeah, human. True, yeah. They're still human. Yeah. If, the, if, the, uh, if my windshield wipers on my car don't work, it's still a car. Uh, and, and, and if I keep taking it apart and I have all the parts, parts in a field, I have parts of a car. It's mm -hmm. it, at, at what point, uh, if you're talking about a reductionist kind of argument, 
what do I have to keep taking away yeah. before it's no longer a human? Yeah. And uh, that, you know, kind of a prelude to the philosophical part we'll get into later. But there's two ways you can view person because human and person are unfortunately now defined differently. And I've always considered them the same thing. A human doesn't necessarily have to be a person. And that's where that argument lies. Hmm. So you have an ontological view of a hum of human, which just means if it's considered human biologically, it is given the status of human. The yeah. value is intrinsic in its humanhood. Yeah. Ver versus the functional view, and that's what that's where that question lies. Uh, if they're not going to function at what we consider arbitrarily mm -hmm. to be adequate shouldn't we have the, the right to kill it? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure if I walked up to a Down syndrome person and shot them and said, well, they weren't human, I would still get arrested for murder. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's the, that is a philosophical question. Yeah. So yeah, if there's cognitive disabilities with a child, it's still a human child. Yeah. I mean, the, actually, this is a great place to kind of land this plane because philosophy is exactly what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. And at the beginning of this episode, I did talk about how we'd be heading into some deep waters and we got there. It's, it's tense stuff to talk about. Um, and for medical, like for, for science people, like you may, you may get into these conversations, like in your classroom and at work, or maybe at home, you carry it with you, you know, but the, for me personally, like this is, it's just a lot to like take in. It's nothing that I've never thought of before, but when I do talk about it, like, I just, I, I understand that it's a lot. And I think of the people that I love dearly who have had abortions or who have thought about it or just, I, I it's just, and in the world we live in today, we all know people who have been affected by them in some way. And the waters aren't easy to tread through, honestly, but it's, it's something that's necessary. It's, we're talking truth and it's something that is a problem in our, in our culture, but ultimately whether you um, are listening to this and you feel that, that tension that I'm talking about, um, I want you, if, or if you're not, um, I want you to remember that Christ doesn't leave, leave us drowning. Like I said before, he doesn't leave us drowning in these deep waters of guilt, shame, and condemnation. He takes our past and he turns what the enemy meant for evil into good. Um, in Genesis 45, uh, four through eight, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, but what Joseph's brothers intended for evil God turned for good and in his good timing. And you don't know what God is, is doing in your life. And he's always, always working. Um, the evil and the sin of Christ's death and crucifixion was intended for just that. It was intended for evil. Um, they were murdering, murdering Christ. Christ was voluntarily giving up his life, but in their humanity, they wanted to see him, him dead. However, God God had a greater purpose in store for Christ's death and resurrection. And that means that Christ's death and resurrection means that we get to leave our sin at the cross and turn and walk in a new life because Christ walked out of the grave with a new life. And so that same redemption is for all of those who repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and so that's a lot, but... God is good and he is able to turn everything um, into in, into something good and something beautiful and something that could um, encourage and, and, and touch other people's lives too. So 
Um, if you are listening to this, we want to know what have you learned from today's episode and how has God challenged you and how will you apply what you have learned? Wherever you're listening, you can go ahead and drop that in the comments. And David and Jamie, thank you so much for joining me in this episode. And I look forward to continuing this conversation um, to our listeners. Be on the lookout for this next episode that'll be out, not next week, but the week after. And thank you listeners for spending your time with us. If you haven't yet connected with us online, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to talktruthpodcast.com for all the details. We'd love to hear from you. So write us a review, however you are listening to this. Thanks for listening and remember to talk truth.